Now, if I made the list or I made a bookstore, I'd be happy, but it wasn't originally part of my two point goal, my particular mountaintop, which was income and pleasing my readers. Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. If you listen to The Author Biz on a regular basis, you know that there are several paths to success as an author. One of those paths, the one that seems to give the author the most control over the myriad of variables that go into building a successful author business, is to write and publish books quickly and regularly. Of course, you can't just write and publish junk. Your stories have to engage readers, your covers need to be maybe not great, but at least good enough, and you need to be able to pivot, to use a startup world term, when readers aren't connecting with your books. Meaning if, if something's not working, if a series isn't working, for example, you move on to the next series and find something that will connect with your readers. Michael Anderley joined us in January of this year to talk about his first three months as an author. During that conversation, we talked in depth about his goals, which were to write 20 books that would generate $50,000 in annual revenue. When we talked after those first three months, Michael had gone from around $400, I think, for that first month uh, to around $10,000 in the third month. So just in the third month, $10,000 in revenue from his Critherian Gambit series. Well, that was about a year ago. Michael, Michael has been a published author for just over a year, so it made sense to touch base with him again to see how his plan of publishing a book you know, roughly every five weeks had worked out. Before we get to Michael, I'd like to spend a minute to discuss what's happened with Camven Media over the past few weeks. We're hard at work on an author website for a client who has some very specific graphic needs. Not just, she doesn't just want a WordPress site, but she wants one that represents her upcoming books and a very targeted desire to build a community around a series of nonfiction books. Uh, she, you know, she just feels strongly ab about the need for this community. We've also been, well, I say we, but it's actually my graphics designer wife. But anyway, she's been working on logo for a client and laying out possible covers for a new series. We've also connected with an author who has a large backlist that needs to be transferred from Microsoft Word to Scrivener, which happens to be his preferred writing platform. So it's all kind of confusing, isn't it? So, you know, what do we do at Camven Media? Essentially, we create time for you by taking things off your to-do list and getting them done in a timely and professional manner. If you're struggling to get it all done in your author business, let us know. We're all about helping you to be a successful author. So how can we help you? You can learn more at camvenmedia.com. All right. Speaking of successful, my conversation with Michael Anderley begins with me asking him, with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, how things are coming with his goal of 20 books to $50,000. First, Stephen, thank you very much for letting me come back on. And the answer to that is it has gone much beyond my original hopes and aspirations, such that uh, I, I had no clue I could be here where I am today. And I, you know, I, I didn't want to open up with just an obvious failure, but uh, you're nowhere near 20 books yet. 
<laughs> and you know, yeah. for people who don't understand Michael's story, we'll get to that in a little while, and and why that's funny. You're at you just released uh, book fourteen in your Catharian Gambit series last night, right? That's correct. Yes. Okay, so fourteen. You're not quite twenty, but uh, at at the at the pace that, that that you write, it won't be that much longer. Hey, you know what? In order to be in my own defense, can I say that that's 14 books, two novellas or novelettes, two omnibus, no, three omnibuses and two uh, anthologies? Can I count those as 20? No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're out of luck there. Crap. Okay. I tried. I tried. (laughs) The last time we talked, um, every time we talk, this is the third time we've talked, but every time we talk, I get feedback. And it's... it's, uh, there's most of it is really positive. This is great. I'm so happy that this guy is so open with his numbers and it's so inspiring, all this stuff. And the other side, which is, you know, maybe 15% is all you guys talk about are is money when he's on the show. So if, if you're one of the, those people, <laughs> we're going to be talking a lot about money today. And uh, one of the reasons that Michael talks about money is because it, it's hard to really gauge success simply as an author uh, with any way other than like dollars and sales rankings and things like that. I mean, you could be the best writer in the world and there's no way to quantify that, but there is a way to quantify actual sales. Yeah, there is. And I I guess this would be a great opportunity for me to jump in real quick and say, my mountain, the, the mountain I'm trying to climb has two facets to it. One of which is I'm trying to create a series that my readers want to go back and read again and again and again, because they love the characters and they want to be there, which is the type of reader I am. The second part, of course, part of the 20 books to 50K was I was trying to create this revenue stream so that I could try to help retire my wife by the end of 2017. Um, And that was, you know, if I had 20 books each day making seven and a half dollars, that was 54,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of the, the general gist of that. But if, for instance, I've spoken with some friends who are in literary areas and they're not looking at it from a money standpoint, that just means it's another mountain. Or let's take it for those that want to be, say, on a New York Times bestseller list. Now, mind you, they might have the same mountain, but they will be going up a different path. It's never been my goal to go and make it to that list. And uh, another one could be those that want to be inside of a bookstore. Now, if I made the list or I made a bookstore, I'd be happy. But it wasn't originally part of my two-point goal, my particular mountaintop, which was income and pleasing my readers. Mm And you were a voracious reader yourself, so you wanted to please readers, essentially, that were just like you. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And one of the ways that you're doing this is by writing fast. And, and that's – it's not really that unique. There are a lot of people talking about writing fast. Um, you know, Russell Blake a few years ago talked about writing fast. He didn't talk about writing fast. He just published a book every other month or every month or whatever, whatever it turned out to be. <laughs> You know, there were there were people at the time that said, oh, you know, if we write fast, we'll make more money. But you're the first person that I'm aware of who's writing fast and talking about it and helping other people to see what you're doing and helping them to do it through this group that you talked about, the, this Facebook group, 20 Books to 50K. Yeah, the, the thing is, whenever I was a, a newbie, um, honestly, I'm still, I'm only a sophomore. I just turned one <laughs> on November 2nd with my first book. So the, what was going on with that was, like a lot of authors, uh, you know, I wanted to be included. And 
in order to get some of the better insights, you had to go find one of these Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knew Michael Anderley? No one knew Michael Anderley. So no one was trying to talk to Michael Anderley and include it in any book. So what happened is I just basically said, well, here, we're good. we got this 20 books group. I wrote that um, the K-Boards post that blew up at the end of March of last of this year. And all of a sudden now, instead of having four of us that were all talking, we had 80 and then 120. And now I think, where are we at, like 1,200 or something? And it, it, we have kind of simple. So the idea was no one is excluded. If you want to join, you're welcome to join. But you can get kicked out really easily, too, because I am a firm believer in that we are all adults. And we are here in order to support each other in a positive manner. We're not here to be sitting here hawking my book, you know, read my book, read my book, do this for me. It's like, what can you do so that we all can learn together and encourage each other? And if we, and occasionally we'll get people who come in thinking this is just a book and they'll try to, you know, push their book and it's like, hi, you know, here, read my book. It's just out today. And we're like, banned. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it, it happens not all the time, but it happens. And we're just trying, you know, here in Texas, we have something called Keep Austin Weird. And, and it's kind of like that in the 20 books group. Just keep us, we're a little bit that off. Do some people not like it? Sure. We've had some situations where some of us who are very much production-oriented focused related to our path stressed out some of our uh, individuals in the group because they're not that way. And, you know, we have to adjust at that time and say, hey, we're here to support everybody, but not everybody does it with the same recipe or the same tactics as perhaps I've used. And so we're trying to figure out, and, and it's like, okay, you don't write that fast. What are some other options? Um, one of the things that has grown up in our group is uh, sharing newsletters. So we put a post up there saying, hey, if, if I see two or, threes ha two or three of these posts happening in the group, let me create a massive one at the top and say, if you were interested in this, I'm going to pin this for the next few days. Everybody join in and help facilitate that communication back and forth because uh, you know, we've lost a few people just because that many posts happen mm -hmm. in our group. It is a lot. And I think I've been in not super early days, but I think it was 80 to 100 when I, when I first got in. And mm -hmm. it is, in my opinion, the single most useful and helpful group for authors on, on Facebook. If you're out there listening, um, at least give this group a shot because they, they talk about things that are working not just right now, but like in the last hour. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is an up to the minute, this is what's working right now kind of a group. There's a, lot, there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of, hey, here's my blurb. What do you think? And all of a sudden, like within 15 minutes, there are 35 comments. It's, uh, it, it's an amazing group. Yeah, we've been we've been hugely blessed with that, with the people who and mind you, we might have twelve hundred people, but we all know that by and large, most authors are very much introverts and they lurk a lot. Mm -hmm. So we might have maybe fifty people that are consistently encouraged in that, but we're very inclusive and I hope more of the lurkers who are listening to your podcast right now and yet in the group come out and actually say something. Well, let me. One other thing that's really cool about the group is that you know we're going to talk about some big numbers here today, and there are some people in the group that are putting up big numbers, um, but mm -hmm. there are also people in the group that are super excited because they just crossed a certain threshold, and everybody is so excited for them. There's there's just this sense of community and encouragement there for wherever you are in your publishing journey. 
Oh my gosh, let me tell you, let me interject with one quick story. So this is about, oh, it's got to be three, three or four weeks ago. One of the individuals in there had a, uh, a book that they had for presale. And they were, they were their, their comment was, hey, I had to come and talk to someone because my family won't understand how excited I am that I'm at 99 pre-orders and I just need one to get 100. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I immediately saw that and go, oh, you're hitting 100 because I went to go buy it and so did like half a dozen yes, other of yes. us. <laughs> and next thing you know, they're at like 120. I'm at 120. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you should probably still get credit for putting her, putting her over the top. But that's the kind well, of group I, it is. It, it is I, I've just never been a part of anything like that on, on Facebook, and there is literally almost no self-promotion in there at all, and it, it's, it's so <laughs> thoroughly policed. Yeah, we have four, um, four admins now, uh, and we have individuals who realize if they tag it, good chances – if it's obvious, like there was one the other day that was for travel. It's like, you're not only, kick, you know, this is not only deleted, you're banned. And there's a couple that I will delete and then do a personal message going, this isn't that group. And that, you know, cr- change it up a little bit. So we try. Now, I, I think one of the, is, is Scott Paul one of the admins in the group? Yes. Yes, okay. he is. And- he was the first other admin to help me get this thing started. And Scott is a great example. Scott has been on this show. He, he writes under the name T.S. Paul. And if, if you do a search on the author biz and short stories, you'll, you'll find it. But Scott started writing short stories. And, you know, we all know you can't make any money selling short stories, except Scott did. And Michael <laughs> and Scott worked really closely together. I mean, you, you sort of mentored him through a, through a process. And Scott sends me his numbers from time to time. And he sent something the other day. He started, I can't remember when the first book that he published was, but it was sometime this year. And it, it was a short story. Um, I think less, it's February. Less than 20,000 words, I think. And he mm-hmm. just crossed over $100,000 for the year. Net. Net. Let's be clear, that's net. <laughs> yes. And he's published 20 titles. And he, his, his books are getting longer. And he started a new series, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago in a different genre that's sort of a combination of crime and paranormal. And when I talked to him this morning online, that book has generated over $26,000 in, in revenue, that one book, mm-hmm. um, all from this slow, steady build uh, that, that he's done by publishing very, very consistently and writing books that engage people. Um, I guess there's a couple of things. I, I don't want to go too much into Scott, to Scott's background, but if anyone wants to say that they're in a bad place and they don't necessarily, you know, writing has changed he and his wife's life. The income that he now gets compared to where he was at and what had happened in their lives, that is, um, that one, <laughs> it was one of those tear jerkers. <laughs> and so I'm particularly uh, happy to have played a small part in that situation. So Scott's one of the you know one of the superstars in the group that's that's doing really well, but there are others, and I, I see them because I'm in there all the time, mostly as a lurker, but I, I just see the things that people are doing, and I can I see the I see the person who six months ago was just really really struggling, and now all of a sudden they're crossing over a threshold that's you know they're not even close to struggling anymore. Things are starting to really go well for them, and it, it is just so exciting to see. It is. I, you know, we all have situations where 
Um, some might have more challenge, and, and you will find those that are still challenged in there. But we, we try to help as well as we can, and that's sometimes that's all you can do. Now, I think sometimes that there are challenges that the authors put on themselves, and we'll probably kind of speak to that a little bit. But the opportunity to create income with something that you enjoy writing is there, and I'm not the only one speaking to this. So nothing new there. All right, so let's let's get into to your numbers a little bit. You published your first book November second, so a little over a year ago. Uh, you're up to fourteen in the series now, plus all the other titles that I'm not giving you credit <laughs> for because I'm, I'm not willing to give you that much success. You're still well short Bastard. of twenty. <laughs> but um, what's what's the uh, total revenue number now through like uh, twelve and a half months? Ah, see information and then I didn't get prepared. So let me go ahead and pull it up. Okay. Uh, as of last night, uh, net revenue, 416,373. Okay. And what does that mean, net revenue? Um, if So I typically, mm, I typically, let's say I gross 500K. Mm -hmm. uh, you can knock 20% off of that and my net would be about 400K. Okay. So gross, uh, I've sold over half a million. All right. And I have, if, if, if you're thinking to yourself, wow, that's insane, that, that can't possibly be happening, I've got the report in front of me. And the, the numbers are the numbers. Uh, the first book. <laughs> yeah, I made sure to do that after last time. You're like, I checked you out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why would I screw? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I know what Steven's going to do. Let me just save him the effort. All right. Yeah, and I appreciate it. Um, the first book that you wrote, um, Death Becomes Her, right? Mm hmm. Uh, what's the total revenue for that book now? If you, I don't know if you have that off the top of your head. Well, I'm looking at it, yeah. So okay. thank God if anyone has doesn't use Book Report, um, it's awesome. Yes. So that one particularly is 41925 comprised of 4,928,003 KENP pages and 11,148 sales. Those sales are predominantly at 299 um, I've done some at 99 cents, and I one time did a three-day uh, free effort trying that with uh, the SPRT folks. Those are the numbers. Okay. And something that you have, you've tried but decided not to do was, was what a lot of people have tried, which is the first in the series free. That it mm -hmm. just didn't work for you. There's no reason to do it because it's the book's selling. Yeah, so what happened during those three days is since I, I track – all of this stuff pretty closely, I could tell that I was losing about $100 a day for every day that it was considered free. I was still receiving the KENP income, so it wasn't like I was losing all income. Uh, amazingly enough, whenever you do free, you still get a lot of people from Kindle Unlimited grabbing your book and reading it through there. And so when I looked at it, I could see the bump in my book two over the next four or five days made up for that 100 bucks. But then it basically settled back down again and, you know, I had given away at that time something like 5,280 books, I think, free over those three days. Mm -hmm. And a couple of things that I learned from that one, um, at best, I can hope for a long, uh, a slow growth for that 5,280. So in order to do free, um, you know, it, it's something you're probably priming the pump with free after free day after, you know, you're just constantly free. And it eventually will get there for you. Um, another thing I learned is at, at one moment when I was ranking really high in the free store, I looked at it and my books are listed across multiple genres. I was something like number two in horror, number three 
in science fiction and something like number seven in urban fantasy, allowing me to realize just what the disparity between uh, how popular each of those genres were. Obviously, then horror was the least popular and urban fantasy was the most popular. So had I do everything over again, I might have tried to figure out how to get into the urban fantasy genre a little bit more than what I did. Now, I, I also went through, because I do my research, and looked at I, – I won't say I looked at all the books. I looked at five of the books and looked at the, um, the, the Kindle store ranking for, for five of the books. And, you know, number one, number – I don't know, maybe four, seven, ten. And they all rank within a thousand of one another. So it's not like one book is ranked a thousand and one book is ranked 30,000. They're all – essentially between 1,000 and 2,000, except for the book that you released today, which as of a few minutes ago was what, 119? Yeah, 119. Okay. So, I mean, people are buying the book and then buying the next book and then buying the next book and then buying the next book, and, and uh, it, just, it just goes on. It does. Well, one of the things that I it, – it's kind of one of the things I pointed out in the state of the hack message that I was trying to write, which – instigated this whole conversation in the first place, which was I hear on multiple podcasts that series can't go beyond name and number. Yeah, six, Three, seven, four, eight, six, whatever eight. it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on 18 or 14 in this case, and uh, it's not stopping. So the question is, who's right? And the answer is both of us, right? Both of us are right. If you write a series and you don't plan it out well and you don't have the in- engagement, it'll die, at four, five, six, whatever. Uh, many of the readers who have commented uh, either you know, in Facebook or wherever, I'm surprised you're going just as strong as, as here. Everyone else dies. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a, prof- you know, I, I, I'm a professional writer, but I'm not, um, I'm a reader first. So why is it that these series is going? Because I don't consider myself to have some amount of amazing talent that no one else could do. So I'm constantly trying to figure that out. It's like, okay, why? Why is this working? What is it that we can duplicate and we can share with others? And at the moment, my feeling is it has to do with emotion. At the core of the subject, it is not a genre or anything else that people are searching for. They are searching for an emotional, um, mental emotional zing, if you will, or hit. Let's just call it like a drug. And they know that if they go to a particular genre, that genre will give them that emotional hit, whether it's the desire to, to get the emotions from an action adventure or a romance or whatever is going on. So uh, another very popular item, which helps quite a few authors, is writing to market, but my stuff is not written to market. <laughs> yours, is, yours is sort of a, a genre mashup. <laughs> It absolutely is. It, and the reason for that is because I had this clueless idea back when I started it, thinking ahead, going, well, if this works, I don't want to be stuck in one genre. I want to be able to write in my paranormal vampire stuff, and I want to write aliens, and I want to write AI, and I want to write in the future. So why don't I create some concept that allow me to do that if it becomes successful, having no idea what I was getting myself into? 
Uh, you mentioned the state of the hack, a, a document that you've, you've, I guess you're still probably massaging it a little bit, and, and we will have a link to it in the show notes so that people can download it. Uh, what was the purpose of writing uh, the state of the hack? Um, I came up on my one-year birthday, and I listen, like we've said, we, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I kind of hear what is out there and what everything is being said, and I, and I hear or watch or read a lot of the authors in the 20 books group, and I just sit and think about it. It's like, you know, what, what's my opinion on this? And I can't communicate with every single author. Um, it's one of the reasons for the Facebook group, because we all help each other. So it's like, you know what? This is what seems to be commonly held opinion, and I'm not necessarily seeing that to be true. And I just want to mention for those authors who don't want to voice their opinion because um, maybe they don't feel qualified to do so, that I'm at a stage now where I can, you know, so here's a situation. Let me go back to something. I'm human like anyone else. And I was tapped on the shoulder in the 20 books group. This is probably... April, May, June sometime, and someone uh, had written an article or a post regarding the first conversation you and I had, Mm -hmm. right? And in that case, there was somebody in there that was, had flippantly made the comment, well, he's only making 10,000 a month. So (laughs) until he makes 50,000 a month, you know, there's no reason for me to listen to him. And so when I hit 50,000 a month, you know, mentally in my mind, I'm like, take that. Now what do you got to say? <laughs> now, obviously, I didn't go back and actually do that, but yeah, I sure thought it. But maybe he's listening. <laughs> or oh, he or she. To be you. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's interesting that anyone would think that because you got to ten thousand a month in three months. So you know there was a certain path there. And I, let me let me talk for a minute about your sales graph. Which I mm-hmm. find instructive. How? What mm-hmm. is your plan for launching? Do you st- are you still trying to launch one a month? I think it was originally every three weeks, but maybe you've slowed a bit. <laughs> yeah, it did slow a bit, and part of that is um, there's a certain amount of me going through the burnout period. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting aspect that I think about my my year experience has been it. I don't think it's much different than if someone had done it in four years, except I get I go through all of the stages in a compressed fashion. So in books. 11, 12, 13, you know, I was getting through the uh, burnout stage. And it took two or three books for me to figure out how to deal with that. Um, and so the, the process is, no, next year I intend to do 10 books. So that'll be about every five weeks. So that's my goal. But, I, you know, year one was hacking personal. Here's my personal productivity. Here are the things that I learned. Here's the things that I didn't learn. Here are the things I heard about and I chose to ignore, for better or worse. Or here are the things that I chose to do um, based on my own experiences. And at the moment, I still feel like they're accurate. We could come back here and do State of the Hack 2.0 next year, and I can say it's changed. It could be because I was wrong, and I'm, you know, I'll freely admit it, because hacking doesn't mean that you get it right the first time. It means you think this is what's going on and you continue until you can confirm or deny it or it changes and you know, the, the customers change. So hack 2.0 has to do with a little bit of what I've learned related to the Amazon algorithms mm-hmm. and how I intend to help additional authors whom I see putting out good stuff and how 
it's one of those, I'll scratch your back, you can scratch mine, and, and we're going to do really good stuff together because we're going to make the readers happy. I want to, okay, I, that, let's, let me get back to the sales graph now, and we'll get back to some of the stuff that you just mentioned. But your sales graph, and this is probably the question that a lot of people are thinking because you publish on such a regular basis. As, you know, imagine, if you will, like a 100-year uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average graph that's mostly going up. It, it goes up, and then it goes down, and then it goes up, and, and the peaks just keep getting higher. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what Michael's sales graph looks like, and it's pretty easy to see when the new books drop. So the question, I, I guess, that I have for you is what would happen, do you think, uh, or do you have a sense of what would happen if you just decided, hey, I, I'm not going to release a book for six months? Yeah, absolutely. I think that at that point, if I, if I disappeared, then my income would drop. I'm guessing 80%. Okay. So, and that is a considerable amount. And it actually is supported. And I know I mentioned her on the last podcast, but mm-hmm. I've since heard her again, Annie Belay. And she mentioned in one of her interviews how skipping that much amount of time, and I think there were personal reasons for it, has you know substantially dropped her income. And so I don't know why I would be any different if I didn't do the same thing. And and to you know and then we're hacking to compensate for that issue. And would you, if you were to do that, would you? I think she publishes uh, four books a year, maybe three books a year. But I, I think she she tries to be relatively consistent with it. But it's not it's not ten. So mm-hmm. if in in your own mind, if if you decided I can't do this anymore, uh, but I can do four books a year. Um, it, mm-hmm. Would there be a way of of hacking, continuing to hack the process, to allow you to keep this momentum? Not the same level. I could probably, at least from what I'm seeing on on it, if I decided to instead of writing, uh, focus more, let's say, on my Facebook advertising and other advertising opportunities, mm-hmm. then I could probably mitigate the descent. You'll notice that in September on that chart. Um, so if we look at uh, August, so July, August, and then September, and then October, you will notice that there seemed to be a strange sudden drop in September when we were going through the whole uh, page flipping fiasco. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, well, for people who other- don't know what the page flipping fiasco <laughs> is, <laughs> and there will be people out there that don't know, can you explain that? Yeah. So. Amazon put out this update, and one of the things they made easily, supposedly, was if a person opened a book, they could go into this certain mode that allowed them to kind of smoothly move through and look at all of the book. And if they re- and it's really convenient for a fast reader, they would be able to just kind of slide right through it, and it would be a real bonus. The problem is they finish with your book, close it, you got credit for one page, the very first page that was opened, and all of a sudden everybody's KENP a lot of people went dramatically down, and this was verifiable and, and provable, and Amazon never, to my knowledge, came out and truly admitted anything. And I don't know for what reasons. I'm not going to try to even get into that. But um, at, for most of September, I really couldn't see. It just looked like maybe my advertising was sucking again or something. Um, but then when October kind of came back around and, and everything seemed to be the same, I look at it and go, hmm, looks like I was hit by that. <laughs> I remember we talked one time, and, and you didn't think you had been hit by it at that time. 
Yes, yes. It wasn't until October uh, resumed, and that was after Amazon. It, it, everyone's kind of calming down, and Amazon, the, the word, if you will, was that uh, Amazon had said, we got this fixed, and we're, we've corrected everybody. And I, I looked at it. They had given me a 25,000-page uh, correction because I happened to have the data that allowed me to see what I had, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden what, you know, what I had now, I'm like, wait a minute. They're showing hmm. me as having more pages. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, so we, I, I think it was beyond that. But you know, at that point, it was such a large month, KE and PYs, that it seems kind of ludicrous to sit there and jiggle their arm. All right. You mentioned um, advertising. And the last time we talked, you, you were doing a little bit of Facebook advertising. You're probably still doing a little bit of Facebook advertising, but it's a little bit. Uh, in, in the information that, that you published in this hack document, which is just a small PDF file uh, for people out there. It's not like an ebook or anything. It's like five or six pages worth of information. Um, you spent, what, $11,000 on Facebook ads this year? I, yeah. So in the last 12 months, I spent a little over 11000 It's like 11300 right now. A lot of that is now in the last four or five months after I got new covers, and those covers became obvious that they were successful helping me with the ads. Uh, the max I can spend any day seems to be somewhere between 60 and 100 bucks. I, don't, I can't seem to scale it beyond that. Um, could be ignorance on my part. So any particular month, I'm probably tapping out at 2100 to 3000 a month, which is a single-digit percentage of gross of net income. And it's interesting because you, you do mention that, that you just haven't been able to scale it, and there, there probably is a way to scale it higher if you spend enough time on it, but you tend to spend your time writing. Yes, it, right. It's the next book. Now here, if I can go on a slight tangent. Do it. Here's some of the things that I've learned in trying to help a lot of indie authors. One of them is what you're writing a passion project, meaning this is something you really need to write. And if you don't get it off your chest, you won't be able to write anything else. Then fantastic. Get it off your chest and find out if it's profitable because otherwise you can't get to the next thing. I've, um, if a passion, if, if, and this is once again, remember, I come from only two goals. I want someone to reread my stuff because they love the characters and I want them to buy books. So your passion project might not be profitable but you might still need to do it. If you are past that stage or frankly don't care about that stage, I've explained it this way to some people. I've said, hey, look, we don't lack ideas. Let's pretend that you have 20 solid writing ideas that would make good series. And I'm going to take these 20 ideas and I'm going to write them on little sheets of paper and I'm going to put them in little plastic Easter eggs and I'm going to close them. And now I'm going to shake it up and put them on the table and I'm going to say, hey, your income is dependent on how fast you can find the two ideas in there that are going to resonate with people and they're going to start selling and helping sell themselves because the fans are going to start telling their spouses or friends that they need to read this. And the corollary or something that I came up to that is a awesome cover will sell you the book, will sell the book one time. Mm-hmm. An awesome story will sell it over and over as that reader grabs their friends. So in doing this, the, the hack that I asked was, how would you write those stories to find out whether or not that idea was any good? If you just randomly grabbed one and started writing it, how would you do it? 
So that's the open question I have. I have my own ideas about it, but the question is, would you write four 80,000-word stories, <laughs> 320,000, and go, crap, this isn't working, next? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's some ideas. Well, the last time we talked, um, one, of, one, of, one of your thoughts along those lines, and it's something that Scott Paul was doing, was writing short fiction to figure out whether or not there was a market for it. And I know you were going to do some imp- experimentation with short fiction. Um, how did you feel that went? Not Scott's, because we know how Scott's went. His, his went really, really well. How did it work for you? It did what I wanted it to do, just maybe not to the level that I had suspected. So it, what I was trying to do was write some short story, and because my fans would read it, it would rank fairly well, top 100 and, and wherever. And some of them were not in the exact genre, allowing my book to show up in other places and get people to come back to the main series. Did it work? Yes. How do I know? Because I've read it in reviews, and I've had people tell me, I read these books because I found that. Um, Now, if you don't have an ongoing short series itself, it it doesn't stick around very long because you run out of your own people, and my own people predominantly read, maybe half of them are willing to read a short story, my fans, Mm -hmm. uh, at most 60% compared to, you know, a a typical 100% or something uh, reading one of the other books. And that's, by the way, not read-through rate. Um, So it worked. And it helped me a couple of times when I just was irritated with um, like a scene that wasn't going to fit in a book or I I didn't want to wait for three weeks because I'm impatient. So I'd write, you know, a short story or something and put it in there. So it worked okay. It is not something that I plan on doing as an ongoing marketing effort because it didn't work well enough as writing the next book. Okay. Um, One of the things in the section uh, that you titled, a few of the things I've learned over the past year. Uh, is something that you mentioned in our first conversation, and I keep looking to see if other people are doing it, and and for the most part, they're not. And it is the most powerful engagement tool I know is the author notes in the back of the book. Can you you speak to that and, and what you've been able to do with your author notes in terms of forming a connection with your readers? Yeah, so if you ever, if you're, if you have Kindle Unlimited, um, hey, this is going to get me some, some money, but go and open what, the first book and go to the author notes and read what I said there because that was where I was when I published that book. And if you read, if you go on each month or each book and read the notes, you're going to see the, the maturity, the maturation of my thinking or my frustration. You know, there's one scene where I got upset with someone that was on keyboards. I didn't name names. But I named, like, this is what was said, and here's what I feel, and I went on a rant about it. And so because I opened up emotionally, my readers connected with Michael Anderley, the author. And when they find me on Facebook and we, you know, we chat, they find I'm the same way on Facebook as I am in the back. And, you know, I'm just kind of honest in what's where I'm at and what I'm trying to do. At one point in the beginning of the year, the KENP for Amazon went way down. I think it was like at 0.43 cents. And so I had to be honest and say, you know, if Amazon keeps going this way, I'm going to need to pull out of KU because it's just not going to be financially viable for me. And, you know, yeah, it upset quite a few fans because they are all on, um, you know, minimal income. And KU is the only way they can get 
any, you know, their books. And so, um, but I was honest. And then, you know, a couple months later, I'm like, hey, just letting you know, it's going back up. As far as I can tell, I'm, you know, going to be in KU for a while if they can keep this up. And I said, if I ever have to leave, I will package all of my books up and I will do a one day 99 cent sale and make sure all of you can get that book. So, you know, I'll just make sure that, you know, I don't leave them behind. And it's, it's interesting what you're doing with that is, is it's essentially a newsletter that you're guaranteed to get in the hands of your readers. You don't have to worry about them getting the email message or it winding up in the right folder. They're going to read it because it's at the end of your book and they're used to hearing from you in that way. They do. The one downside to that is a few of them get upset because the end of the book is not the end of the pages. Mm-hmm. So if you add too, many, too much to it, they get a little persnickety about it. So you have to decide you know, how much you're willing to do. And you've experimented with other things as well, putting other things at the end of the book. One of the things you did, and I appreciate this, I don't think I've ever had a chance to, to publicly thank you for it, you, you put a shout out to um, one of my books in the back of your books and exposed it to a lot of your readers, and I got a lot of good feedback from them. But you, you do that for other authors as well. It's just uh, something that you do, and it's as, you know, we, we can see from the 20 books to 50K group that, that, you're, that you spend a lot of your time helping other people, uh, but you do it in other ways as well. Yeah, let me, um, this is uh, not quite a rant. Everyone has their personal opinion. Here's mine. When I support an indie author, I'm supporting it to a group of adult readers who have the ability to decide if they care to read this book. I am recommending that this person is an indie author. I make it clear I've not read the book, or I have in the past at least. I don't do it every single time. I am merely stating here's an indie author, and I'm going to try to sell it just like BookBub would sell it. But I'm, I'm up front and saying, hey, you're an adult. You can decide if you want to read this or not or support people or not. So, you know, in, in the case of yours, yes, I had read some of your books. So I knew yours, but... I don't know a lot of these that I support. There, you know, some at one point I supported a group of indie authors and I had fans coming back because the indie authors were supporting something and they're like, "You know what? I just bought every single book. Probably won't even read them all, but I'm just going to support the indie authors that are on this list." Hmm. Which kind of surprised me, but in in this case, I made a decision that Michael Anderley indie publisher, indie author publisher doesn't read books. I'm not going to tell, you know, so, and part of it is, is that introverted nature that I have where I don't want to tell someone I didn't like your book. (laughs) So that's kind of the part of the genesis of that. And then I made a decision about a month ago, if I read something and I really love it as Michael Anderley reader, well, then I give myself permission to state that, but it is super rare that I do that because I don't read a lot. And so at the end of the day, that is probably one of my biggest challenges at the moment is refilling the well. Um, what, what have you seen over the course of the last year that's really surprised you? Um, one thing that comes to mind, which is so for, for the first few months, I, I read a lot on K-boards before the 20 Books group came around. And, and frankly, all my time was kind of there. And it seemed like um, there was a lot of bashing of trade publish, trade publishing. And I went to something called ArmadilloCon, and it was in Austin, Texas. 
and drove down there. And I joined it uh, in July um, because it was I was about to speak at an event, and I was like, "Ooh, hey, let me go do this." And I spoke to a bunch of trade publisher, you know, publishing authors, trade publishers. They were some of the nicest people. They were helpful. They weren't antagonistic to ebook writers and authors at all. They, you know, their attitude was, "Hey, it's big enough. We can learn from each other." There really wasn't that issue. Um, beyond that, other things, uh, the 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 personal, uh, the passion project is a big issue, and you know, there's no saying if someone's passion project could be um, successful. It, it certainly could, but if you're trying to make income, you need to find out and be willing to cut bait on that thing a little bit quicker than perhaps um, you have to. And you know, here we go. We're going to get someone talking about the Lord of the Rings and how long that took to write. <laughs> um, there's everything. Or, okay, so let's put it this way. No two authors are going to have the same experience. And part of it, let's admit freely, has to do with how engaging a story you can write. Some authors are going to have, you know, and I'm, <laughs> okay, this is both accurate as well as a little facetious. I have not read Fifty Shades of Grey, but I have read quite a few people who just lambasted it. And I'm like, you people who lambast that need to take a step back and ask, where's your goal? Because if your goal is to have a whole bunch of literary, and by literary, I mean, um, think of it, I guess, in this case, a bunch of individuals who are so proud of themselves that they have the eloquence to write something a certain way, but no one wants to read it. That's not, you know, that's a very refined desire of success. And if someone is writing a book that doesn't have that same eloquence, but is selling really well, you should learn from that, not put it down. Yeah. And the flip side of that coin, well, not the flip side, another side of that coin basically is um, at, at a different level altogether is James Patterson. There are a lot of people uh, in the, that write genre fiction that just look down their nose at James Patterson uh, because he, he publishes so many books and, and the, you know, the sentences are too short and the paragraphs are too short and I would never read that stuff. Um, but man, he sells a lot of books and it's because he's a great storyteller. You, I challenge anybody to start reading one of his books and put it down. You just can't do it. If, I mean, if, you, get, <laughs> if you get 20 pages into it, you have to finish. Well, okay, so let's talk about that a little bit, because one of the things that I've been trying to figure out in my own life or my own success is why was why were my books being read so voraciously? And still, why are they? Once again, remember, I don't consider myself like this awesome author. I don't believe that I'm the only one capable of writing it this way. So what is it? And to answer your question, because I, I don't read Patterson, but I do have shorter sentences. I have a, you know, sometimes it's a very staccato uh, situation. People say, claim, when they read my book, it's like reading a movie. You know, mm -hmm. I do not put, if you, if you read my book, it will never be the, the person walks into the room and the, the walls were white as snow on the mountaintop. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they walk into the room and I'll give them one or two things that allow them to kind of set the room and the rest of it's to their imagination. Because we're moving on with either the emotion or the story or what needs to happen, and we're keeping them engaged. We're using the ability to go across multiple emotions 
um, including or not, you know, humor, um, crying. It's um, just it's all of these emotions to to create this story, if you will. You know, it seems to be redundant, but read and learn. <laughs> it's like. I, I can't tell you. A lot of times people ask, you know, what do you do? It's like, there's the book right there. Yeah. You know, well, I can, I'm, go ahead. What's, what's the average length of a scene for you? I know, I know you, you tend, I, I think that you, you have a set number of chapters that you try and write and a, a set word total. And so you've got that, but, but scenes are a different thing. Do you have an average scene length? I do not. I'll break it down this way. All of my books, well, not now, all of my books since about four, three or four are 25 chapters, and I try to do 3,000 words per chapter. Mm-hmm. I've tried to reduce the scene count because like five or six books ago, I had as many as 50 or 60 scenes, and they would range anywhere from 200 words to 2,500 words. A couple of books back, I had substantially reduced it because I was getting a little bit of feedback where people are like, oh, all of these scene things are bugging the crap out of me. And so I was like, well, you know, let me try to pull it back. And then they were saying, well, that last book just wasn't very long. And I'm like, the, the word count was the really? exact, you know, or even 2,000 more. The only thing that changed was the quantity of times I changed scenes. That's interesting. So, and then the other thing that came out of that is only the minority that is vocal is going to say something. If you don't get a bunch of comments all related to the same thing, don't assume it's true, like I did. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing that you preach and you have been preaching for the last year is to let readers decide whether or not your writing is any good rather than your parents or your English teacher or your friend or your author friend or whatever. Uh, get the book out and figure out whether or not readers like it. You still there? Yeah. It is still there. I think the clarification, last time that I talked about it, I said it's a minimally viable product, but I think that created a firestorm. It's really part of the lean startup methodology, Mm -hmm. but minimally viable product wasn't unedited, unreviewed, although number two was at that time, so let's not discuss that one. (laughs) But (laughs) the concept was, let me get this stuff out there and find out whether or not anyone even cares about this. Because if they don't, I don't want to spend weeks and months polishing a turd. Let's just call it what it is. And for most of us, it wouldn't be weeks and months. It would be months and years. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to say it, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but, you know, I'm a firm believer now that you don't have, what is that, four books times 70K or what, you know, name a number, 200,000 words to find out if the series is going to be any good. You have 3,000 words. And that's the first 3,000 words, which goes back to, was it Patterson? You know, you get the first sentence, the first paragraph, the first page, the first 3,000 words. If you can't create 3,000 words that engage me over and over again until you have a book length, you got a problem. So don't, you know, just write 3,000 words of your idea and spread that around and find out if anyone's like, I want to read this. This is what I want to read. All right. What's the uh, what's the plan for you've you've mentioned a reduced number of books. What what are your what are your goals for next year? In so this is what happened to me at the end of August. Uh, I was in two anthologies. I was in one glimpse, Haley Lawson. Mm-hmm. I was in another one uh, related to space with Patrice Fitzgerald and others. I also put out my own book, and uh, this confluence of events showed me that being in multiple books 
upped my author rank, and that author rank upped my sales. So it wasn't just that a particular book was high. The fact that people found me, the author, high uh, was very was also you know pretty excellent. My opinion is that once you get to a certain level, you can adjust your author rank. You can hack that much easier than hacking a book success. So I have been top 500 authors since the beginning of July. I've been a top 200 author since the like October 5th. Um, so I typically range in the like 100 to 150 range for the last few weeks. And so this book will come out. I'll go back up again. December 15th, I've got a collaboration in my universe with Justin Sloan. I'll do what Justin does, which is name drop all over the place. And uh, approximately at that time frame, I will have a collaboration with, also in my universe, with T.S. Paul. Approximately two weeks later, my book, uh, my first and the second series, is going to come out Christmas Day. And about a week and a half after that, perhaps earlier, I will have a collaboration with Craig Martell coming out. And each of these awesome authors have agreed to do a minimum of three books each series, and they all are in the Cuthirian Gamut universe. I will be pimping the heck out of them. And we together, the four of us, and soon to be potentially five and six, are going to support each other um, using the engine of the Cuthirian Gambit and the backlist that they have and trying to make each of them even more successful as obviously I will then, as an author rank, go up. Now, what's different between what you're, what you're doing here than uh, Kindle Worlds kind of thing, when you're, you're collaborating with people and, and allowing them to write in your world? Um, one is money. These authors are, are sharing completely 50-50 with me. Okay. A Kindle Worlds is not that way, as far as I can tell. Um, the second one is I foot some of the upfront expenses. We're using, um, if anyone has seen some of my latest uh, covers, the first seven were done by the uh, amazing Andrew Dobell, Creative Edge Studios out of UK, who um, I hired. And uh, he took, you know, we, we found a model to do. And I have hundreds of, of shots that he's manipulating and doing more stuff. The later ones, due to the fact we went to outer space, is being done by Jeff Brown, and he's freaking amazing. <laughs> and we've added a third, based on Jeff's recommendation, Eric Quigley, to do alien and monster creations so that the fans can get some sights. But I am putting effort into each of these books with these guys, using my infrastructure and getting these books out to minimize their um, their time, right? So we're hacking the, the collaboration process to try to make it as quick and as seamless we're using the same beta readers who can double-check that it's appropriate for the Kindle world. In this case, my world, right? Mm -hmm. The Ethereum world. Um, and, you know, we just, we, we're, we're throwing, I consider us indie authoring outlaws. You know, we're just not going to do it their way. And I'm going to, if you look at the front of any collaboration, Paul C. Middleton was the first one that uh, I worked with me on, one on. And I learned a lot working with Paul. And he's got his third book coming out. And what you'll notice is it's not James Patterson across the top and in very tiny print, Michael Enderley, you know, <laughs> every one of these collaborations, it's third name on above mine, mm -hmm. same size font, but they're on top. And I've explained to all of them. I said, hey, look, you know, we're going to promote you as being the core writer of this. And we're going to promote you that if it does awesome, 
Guess who was the core writer? And if it does horrible, guess who was the core writer? (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to help, but it's not, you know, they're going to, their backlist is going to be dependent on the effort too. You know, it's a fascinating idea, and uh, based on everything that you've done and everything that I've seen happen inside the group, I, I, if I were a betting man, and I am, I would uh, would be betting on success. I certainly hope so, because I think that this concept, this hack that we're trying, is easily duplicatable among a lot of people out there. Um, one of the, um, we spoke about this a little bit earlier, but one of the things that I did was support indie authors without reading the book. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, here's an indie author. This person's awesome. I haven't read the book, or you know, here's the book. And what it did, I didn't realize this until about a week and a half ago. I was looking at one of the books that I had supported because I wanted to see, you know, were we helping them? And then I realized my books were coming up as also bots, which means for the last six months, as I've been helping these other authors. My fans are buying them, and now I'm also bot author on all of these authors. Mm-hmm. And also bots are a huge way of getting additional people to see your book. And it's because I was just trying to help in the first place, and it's turned around and bit me on the ass in a really nice way. The unintentional hack. Yes, the unintentional hack is help your fellow author. All right, Michael, if people want to learn more about 20 Books to 50K or join the group on Facebook, what should they do? Just go to Facebook, the search for 20 Books, so 20 Books, T-O-5-0-K, 20 Books to 50K, and uh, just request to join. Um, It's pretty simple. It's going to be, you know, hopefully not get you explicit tag or anything, but we admit everybody, and we will kick you out really quickly if you don't basically be an adult and nice. There's other places to be a dick. <laughs> and what's the, what's the best place for people to track you down? Is it your website or Amazon or in the group? Yeah, in the group. Is okay. the, you could certainly come to Catherian Gambit uh, on Facebook and tag me there too, but I'm you know pretty easy to grab. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's, uh, let's schedule the, uh, the Hack 3.0 interview for uh, next year. <laughs> I look forward to it, and uh, hopefully we'll have success before then, and we'll have to do it as 2.5 or (laughs) 1.5 or whatever. Let's do it. I appreciate your time, Michael. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Stephen.